0: Welcome to VoiceOver Experts, brought to you by Voices.com, the number one voiceover marketplace. Now for our special guest. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to to join us. Uh, My name is Juliana, and I'm an account manager here at Voices.com. I'll be the host of today's webinar, A Day in the Life of Jamie Hill. And of course, what better way to learn more about the world of voiceovers than from a professional herself, a successful voice actor? Let me tell you a little bit about Jamie. Uh, Jamie has been a successful voices.com talent for over five years and has booked hundreds of jobs with us. Um, She does voiceovers for everything, promos and trailers to animation, documentaries. Uh, Jamie has been the voice for brands such as Nike, Microsoft, MasterCard, Avino, the Hard Rock Cafe, and Toyota. I'm very excited myself to learn from her. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Jamie, please tell us about yourself.
1: Well, my name's Jamie Hill. I think we got that part covered. been doing voiceover for a while now. I transitioned from um, a job uh, that was more in uh, the medical field. Um, I was managing an office, multiple doctors, and... I always spoke a lot, and I got lots of compliments about how I spoke, but I just didn't know how to turn it into an actual job. So um, I figured that part out, did a little research, and eventually transitioned into a full-time voiceover talent, and I love my job. I actually have clothes on today. Got out of my PJs already.
0: Not only, you know, what's funny is there's another talent we work with. His name is David Kaplan and he jokes he has golden handcuffs to his studio and like doesn't leave because he makes so much money doing voiceovers.
1: Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Yeah, you kind of <laughs> never, you kind of never leave or you, um... You're somewhat chained to it because you just have to run back to your studio if someone says, hey, I need a job or, hey, I need to pick up on this or, hey, can you do this audition for that? So mm-hmm. as long as you're semi close by or you have a friend that has a studio close by or there's some sort of studio that you can work out of, then, you know, the job is going to always be with you.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. What was your transition like? Was it hard or did you find it really good? Uh
1: you know, the transition for me is, you know, I'm more of a calculated risk type person. I don't like to just jump off a cliff unless I, you know, have floaties on. So if, um, when I was thinking about it, actually, you know, I, I wanted to just sort of do it like it's a hobby, and I learned about it. I did classes. I, um, you know, got some coaching and, you know, started doing that auditioning process and started booking jobs, um, but I didn't actually leave my security blanket of a job, you know, until the time was right, because I didn't want to go from, you know, having a check to hustling for my work. So it it turned into when I was, you know, getting jobs kind of without even auditioning. That's when I was like, all right, I think, I think I can transition out now. It might be a safe, safe bet. Yeah. And guess right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. I've seen how much money you make on the website.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Thanks.
0: A lot of people want to do this full time. How realist, realistic do you think that is?
1: You know, I think it's I think it's realistic. I just I think like any other job that you're going to do, you know, you can't just start doing surgeries on a patient unless you've actually gone to school, unless you've actually gone through, you know, working on cadavers, until you've actually gone through, you know, having your residency and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's a process for any job that you're going to do. You're not just going to walk in and start recording jobs. You might luck out in the beginning and you're going to get a job, but if you don't know all the technical aspects, you don't know the responsibilities of being a good employee, you don't know, uh, you know, how you can give a delivery of, you know, here's take one, take two, take three, and here's it three different ways. And then the director's telling you to do something. You have to know all those things so that you can keep that job going. You might, like I said, you might get lucky and get one and get that paycheck, but you got to be able to keep that going. It's just not going to be a, you know, quick hit and then that's it. You know,
0: how long did that take you?
1: Um, long for what to, to Mm -hmm. learn
0: from being a full-time somewhere else to full-time in voiceovers?
1: Um, I would say I did probably about a year and a half of classes. I mean, I I think I I like to be a little bit more on the safe side. Um, I did a full year of private coaching. I mean, but in that, you know, in the meantime I was still, you know, auditioning and doing things. Um, but I know that my first year of doing it part-time, meaning, um, uh, you know, doing auditions in the morning before work, coming home at lunch, doing more, going home after work, you know, going to the gym and then doing more work, you know, after that, like auditions and things. Um, I know in that first year, you know, I made a significant amount of money doing it part time, uh, for which I knew, you know, living in L.A. as a supplemental, you know, income, I was like, that's, that's pretty good. I was like, okay, so if I keep this going and if I multiply this by this amount of hours, if I do this, you know, so I mean, I, I transitioned pretty quickly. Um, but you know, I think I also had a lot of training beforehand, but I I think a lot of people will have training. There's a lot of people that work in either entertainment or they, you know, they speak, you know, I took stuff in, you know, in high school and college, um, you know, as far as, you know, I guess, journalism, broadcasting, talking, I started pretty young. My, my mom and family really started that kind of young, but I just didn't know that it would be become my eventual job.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, what does a typical day now look like for you?
1: Uh typical day now, um, you know, I wake up in the morning. I go through my emails, you know, see if there's first any jobs that have just been handed over, either from you know professional services with you guys or clients, you know, that I've previously worked with, or you know agents, you know that are you know that are booking. I have multiple agents, voiceover agents, so you know I go through that first because the the jobs that are that are needing to be done are obviously priority. And then from there, you know, I look up um, for pickups or edits from work that I'm already on, meaning uh, jobs that I've already recorded, they need editing or they need a script change or there's a tonal change. Um, I do those second. And then from there, I do auditions. Um, I see, you know, if there's anything from agents or anything that's, you know, worthwhile for me to record that I can send out first. And then um, I have a team that works with me, you know, for you know marketing, and I have an assistant, so we kind of all, you know, talk together to see what we need to do as far as, you know, our our weekly toss out, as far as, um, you know, uh, blog posts, anything updating on websites, um, you know, any type of marketing that needs to go on for social media, things like that. So, um, it's kind of it, it's a it's a it's a process, you know, it's like a there's a lot of cogs in the wheel that keep it turning.
0: Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you have a lot of different hands in different areas of your business. So how much time do you spend on the different areas of your business?
1: Um, you know, I think it's, it's important to do a little bit of all of it, you know, to actually understand the business. You need to understand, you know, the financial aspect of it. You need to understand the communication aspect of it with the client's. Agents, people that you're dealing with, production companies, ad agencies, whoever that is. Um, There's also, you know, the marketing aspect. You need to understand that you need to be visible and always around. Um, There's also the technical aspect. You need to know everything about the voiceover sound, um, you know, from different processors. To different signal chains, to what the different microphones are, to you know uh, what the different lines of communication are, whether it's a phone patch or an ISDN or source connect IPDTL, you know, learning about all the different um, communication ways that people are going to be recording, whether you're in a studio or you're in a home studio that you've created. I think that's really important. So just know everything, you know, kind of be a dictionary about all of it. So even if you don't know all of it, you know a little bit, and you know a little bit enough that you can pretend like you know it.
0: Mm-hmm. There's always Google to help you out for the rest, right?
1: Yeah, and that there's Google exactly. Google and Siri will definitely help you out with everything else. I mean, I, I taught myself how to do, you know, probably 90% of the stuff. You know, it's a process, but you can hack at it. You know, you can chip at it and chip at it, and you can finally, you know, get that sculpture up.
0: Yeah, there's no practice like actually doing as well. So you can do all the training in the world, but when you're actually in a job and you're figuring things out, and clients are asking you questions. You just got to say yes and go for it.
1: Exactly. And be able to listen and take direction. Well, I mean, I think that's why it's very important to, you know, practice and understand the sound of your own voice, understand what your limitations are. And, you know, when you record something a certain way, you know what it's going to sound like. So when that director or whoever it is, that's on the phone with you says, Hey, do it this way. You're like, I've done it a hundred times this way. I know exactly what it's going to sound like. Here you go.
0: Mm-hmm. What he's asking for. Gotcha. Now, mm-hmm. how much time do you spend on one audition?
1: For an audition? I, you know, I recommend, you know, for people, you know, don't overthink it, Um, you know, read the script, look at what the, you know, what the parameters are and who your audience is going to be, you know, read it, maybe read it once over, dry to yourself, you know, like a cold read, and then do a recording of, you know, three takes, do one, two, three, or do one, two, anything more than that, you're going to start analyzing and being overcritical and then all of a sudden you're going to start playing Frankenstein with all the takes and be like, I really like the first line from one, but I really like the second line from three, and then I really like that last, you know, closing from two, and then you're going to start doing an edit, and it's like all of a sudden you've spent 30 minutes on one audition. It's not necessary. You know, if you go with your gut, most of us have pretty good gut instincts. You go with your gut and you know it's going to sound great. You know, send it out. What you think is great might not be what the client thinks is great, you know, and it's still going to be up to the protocol of the end person. So you probably did the best that you could. And if they didn't pick you, they might pick you for the next one. As long as you leave a good imprint, you know, in their um, in their brain, they might think of you for something else. And that's actually that's better sometimes than, you know, leaving a bad one.
0: I agree. Also, clients when they're posting jobs, you don't have to be perfect. You have to match what they have pictured up here for the project if you manage that sound, they can direct you from there, which is why humming and hawing over an audition for 30 minutes is such a waste of your time. You could be doing so many more auditions in that time, and that's the name of the game to do lots and lots of auditions. So right. don't nitpick. It. I
1: think it's, I agree. I think it's, it's volume. I think it's also a sound, you know, you have to make sure you're the right fit for that job. Um, You know, if you sound like you're 60 years old and you're auditioning for a teenager and you still sound like you're 60 years old, it probably wasn't smart. One, you're going to make the person angry that they had to listen to your audition. Two, they might actually mark you and not probably want to have you for something else because you didn't read the specs properly and you've now wasted their time when they have to listen to 500 other auditions. You know, so you want to make sure whatever it is, again, like I said, best foot forward. So if you know that you're great at that, send your best take. Send your best take and call it a day. Forget about it. Send it and forget about it. Um, If they pick you, great. Leave that good print with them. They'll use you for something else at some point.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you never know when an audition is going to come back if something has another job.
1: I Exactly.
0: I've even heard that talent tell me they've been hired nine months after a job was posted for a project. So something you may have said it's not going to happen can come back around and you never know in what way that will happen. Yeah. So you-
1: Absolutely. Things get shelved all the time. Just like, you know, even movies, you know, movies on, you know, on the screen that you watch in the theater, you know, there's some that have been recorded and, you know, they've been filmed from five, six years ago and it just wasn't the right time. It's not the right time. Once the time is right, budgets come back. That's when they'll put it, you know, things get shelved also for many more reasons than just, it's not about us. We're just one small part in that project. Very small part, which is why we just need to remember we're the talent, they're the directors, and don't overstep our boundaries.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great. There is a lot of rejection in the industry, and unfortunately, that's something that you kind of gotta get used to. Just learn to shake it off, kind of thing.
1: And move yeah, on. I mean, you you have to just remember that there's so many people, and it's such a cutthroat industry, and you know there's so many people in every different city, and you know they're they're working and that are just trying to pay their bills, you know, so you can't look at it in the sense of, um, they didn't like me. It's like, what did I do? That was so wrong. You know, it's like, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, even in life, it's like, if somebody doesn't like you, it's like, okay, well, great. I think I'm a great person. Screw you. I'm going on the next one. You know, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with, you know, with this kind of work ethic, you know, you, you do the best that you can. If it didn't work out, you go to the next person. Like I said, you hope that you made a good impression on that person. They think about you for something else, or you go, um, onto the next job maybe you'll be a good fit for that. If not, maybe you'll be a good fit for the next one. Just got to keep staying positive and keep pushing forward.
0: Do you feel like you work eight hours a day, five days a week or longer? Um, uh,
1: you know, I feel like in the beginning more, I think I worked a little bit more uh, as far as like trying to hustle and send stuff out. Um, you know, I, my day is pretty jammed with actual um, jobs. So I don't sometimes get to my auditions as much as I used to before. Um, I try to as much as I can because I feel like in this industry you can't just rely on the jobs that you have. You have to rely on new ones. You know, everything changes. Everything's constantly evolving. Everybody's constantly changing jobs. People change careers for all sorts of different reasons. So that person that you might have worked with at this agency might not be there anymore, or maybe they did a brand change and all of a sudden you got replaced. You know, you never know where your next job's going to be. So the more auditions you send out and the more new networks, uh, the new network, listings i guess that you're making is actually better um i work as much as i can you know to try to generate new business um you know but i i do uh, a very high volume of jobs a month um so i i just i end up doing more work in sessions daily than i end up doing auditions which is why i sometimes end up working on the weekends or late at night
0: <laughs> so important yep yeah well that's the joy of being your own boss right
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like in plus two, it's like, you know, you've got appointments or if you, I live in Los Angeles and I travel a lot too. So, you know, whether I'm traveling and I bring gear with me or, you know, I have to drive across town to go to a studio. I mean, anybody that lives in LA knows that if you're even driving three miles, it could take you two hours to get there. So, you know, the majority of some of the stuff they do when I'm out of my home studio, I'm gone for a lot of the day, which is kind of crappy. Um, because it, it takes away from the work that I need to do or anything else that I need to do, whether there are other appointments, lunch meetings, business meetings. I have a lot of producers and people that I work with here in L.A. that, you know, we end up building a personal relationship with, and, you know, we meet for future projects. And, you know, it's, it's about communication and, and making sure these people remember you. Yeah,
0: gotcha. Agreed, also. Um, all right, so let's talk about your setup. Um, what mm-hmm. do you have in your studio now, and what did you start off with?
1: Okay, so what I started off with before was I went to Guitar Center. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but it's a music shop. Um, And I bought a dynamic microphone with a couple different adapters um, and an XLR cable, which is the cable that plugs into uh, the microphone. Um, And I was recording out of a a recording device, and then I would upload everything into my computer, and I learned how to edit. So I was editing out of Adobe Audition and then started learning how to use that. Um, since then I've upgraded to, um, you know, a ghosted booth that mimics my office. I've got a Sennheiser 416 microphone and a Neumann TLM 103, which are the two main microphones that they use in the studio. Got scissor stands and shelves and, you know, different processors and amps, um, because I need to mimic my studio to sound like the studios that I work out of. Because when I work out of those studios, I can do the edits from home.
0: Mm, so you so you-
1: everything is, everything is, is, is ready to go on air. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Um, have microphones that you feel sound best with female vocals versus males?
1: Um, well, I think for you know the majority of the the microphones that are used in the studio is a Sennheiser 416, which is which is a shotgun mic. Um, I think. You know, I don't know if necessary. I, mean, I feel like for women, women have higher pitched voices in general. They don't really sound as deep. Most guys usually have the deeper voices. Obviously, testosterone versus estrogen, it's a little different. Um, but, um, you know, for for more of like that rich kind of creamy sound, I think, you know, the, the, the cardioid mics, like, a, you know, like a Neumann TLM or the U87, I feel like those will kind of capture some of that um some of more of that like the, the thickness and the moisture in the voice, if that's really kind of how you describe it. I don't know. I feel like I'm describing food. Um but uh you know but the shotgun is what they always have. I mean every studio that I go into it's like that's just that's the mic that's there. You know, so I don't know if that's just because um that's just what they're used to or it's just clean and crisp, you know. I mean I, I just kind of always have the Sennheiser up and that's what I record out of. So I, I'm just kind of used to it at this point. You know, and it's, you know, it's one of those kind of microphones that, you know, when you end up working a lot, it's probably the one that you're going to want to buy to have at home and you can find all, all sorts of different deals with them. And I know some music companies that, you know, if anybody wants to email me, I could probably get you a good deal on one, too.
0: Mm, nice. Yeah. It's always nice to have someone who knows people to ask for those kinds of deals.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're expensive. They're, you know, it's well over a thousand bucks. So, you know, it's it's definitely an investment, but something um, something good to have if necessary, you know.
0: Well, and anywhere if it's your business they you really can't go wrong spending a little extra here, a little extra there because at the end of the day when you book more work with it it really did make the difference you wanted it to and
1: it's worth right. it. right I mean when you make that initial investment you know you kind of end up doing it over time because that's how you figure out if this is a job that's going to be for you you know you might end up working for you know doing auditions or doing classes for a year and realize I don't know if this is something I want to do as far as a business you know because it's not just you recording I mean you've got to do all these other things um, so when you you do decide to take that full leap and you know that you've already made X amount of dollars a year, or X amount of dollars a month, and you can project out that that business plan. And you know, it's like if I made, you know, $5,000 this first quarter part time, and you know, that means that I could make almost 20, you know, it's like you kind of just, you just kind of play with numbers and you can play with financial numbers, just like you would do any, any particular business with a plan, you know, so you can, you can kind of figure that out there you go. and see if it's something that fits for you. Fingers crossed. Um, Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed.
0: Any other editing software programs besides Adobe Audition that you like?
1: Well, I mean the ones people use in um, you know in the studios these Mac Pro Tools. Um, i I have a Mac and a PC. I've just always been a PC nerd, so um, my my Mac skills are. You know, they're, they're interesting. Um, but I, I have the software on both, so, you know, if I travel and I have the Mac or if I, you know, travel and I have the PC, I, I can use both. Um, I know there's lots of different free programs. You know, some people use GarageBand. People use Twisted Wave, Audacity. Um, I know Twisted Wave doesn't cost uh as much as nearly, like, as, as buying a whole suite of a program. Um, but I know the majority of people do use um, either Mac Pro Tools or... Um, final, not final cut. What's it called? There's Sony Vegas. There's, um, you know, Adobe Audition, you know, I just got Adobe Audition and then I just started teaching myself how to use it. I mean, it was just, it was, it was actually gifted to me, which was nice. So I didn't have to buy the whole thing.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, all right. So what about your demos? Uh, how many do you currently have? Let's start
1: there. So for demos, um, demos, as far as like placement on, you know, a social platform, uh, you know, something like onvoices.com, I think the more, that you can have to represent work that you've actually done uh, is great. So then people can just kind of go through and click on it because uh, you're also going to specify, you know, what it is, whether it's business, radio, you know, sales video and animation, something It's going to be pretty clear as far as what it is. But uh, for having a compilation, um, obviously a commercial demo is important. You know, that's the stuff that ends up going on, you know, the TV or the radio. Um, having a narration demo uh usually those would be something that would be more in the lines of you know sales meetings or uh like medical information or anything that's longer than the 30 or 60 second you know video that would be broadcast um, nothing is on air more than 60 seconds so anything that's above that would be something that would be more of like in the narration style um, you know like an explainer demo which is a new i don't know if it's necessarily new but something that's uh been very much in the forefront these days is, uh, you know, a video that explains the company um, or a video that explains a product. So it's more of like an explanatory type um, video, and those can range anywhere from, uh, you know, 30 seconds all the way up to a couple minutes, depending on, you know, what the company and, and their marketing team wants to do. Um, and then they may be having like an IVR, which is the interactive voice response. Those are something like if you call, you know, AT&T or somebody, you know, Time Warner Cable, Cox Cable, Spectrum. I don't know any of those people. It's like, hi, you've reached Cox Cable. Press one for sales. That's an IVR. So when you're actually needing to push buttons and it goes into a tree, um, it's almost like a messaging phone service. So having something like that as a sample, that's always good to have. I mean, just basically broadening everything that when somebody clicks on you, they know. All of your, all of your tools that you can do. It's like you're wearing a little tool belt. It's like you got your screwdriver, you got your wrench, you got everything else that you need. So they can see that you can do all sorts of different work. Mm
0: -hmm. When you first started, did you record demos on your own or work with someone?
1: Well, when I first started, I worked with someone. Um, when I got myself a little bit further, technically, you know, I could start cutting up my own, you know, learning how to rip audio off, um, you know, off videos and then using that or asking the clients for, um, you know, the final, produced work so you could take that and you know splice things together but in the beginning I absolutely went to somebody because I didn't know what I was doing and as far as you know editing I didn't want to just chop something up together and I didn't want to just necessarily put up a you know like a dry sample like as an as an example but sometimes people want to hear that as well because they don't want to hear something that's produced because they don't know if you actually sound that way so um sometimes it's okay to have something like that just as a sample yeah
0: so your strategy is kind of to cover all the different bases and have produced and dry reads so they
1: can choose what they yeah, want? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's good to have. Um, if you have something on there, you could just maybe stick it at the end and just be like, here's a dry read. This is what I sound like, you know, that unproduced. un, You know, there's no EQ. There's no processing. You know, there's no, there's no filtering. You know, there's a lot of magic that can be done in post. And if you know what you're doing technically, you can do a lot of that. And you just want to make sure you sound the same. You know, I like it when clients call me on the phone and we chit-chat before the work and they're like, you sound so much, so much similar, so similar, you know, that's good to hear because you want to be able to produce that.
0: Every time. Yeah. Every time. That's an interesting question is when you're doing your auditions, how much uh, post-production work do you do on them?
1: I don't do any. I don't do any. I just um, I just record it. I mean, sometimes I'll take out the breaths, you know, because when you're talking, you're like, and you, when you're looking at a waveform, you know, you see it, and all of a sudden it's like the big, big spikes, and then they are teeny, teeny, tiny spikes, and then there's the big, big spikes. Like the big ones are the talking, and the little teeny ones are your breaths. So, you know, you can kind of learn a little shortcuts on how to take those out. Sometimes if I have time, I take them out. If I'm trying to send out, you know, a bunch and I'm under a time crunch, you know, I'll just send it out with the breaths. But Yeah. Um, you know, whatever you can do. I mean, everybody breathes. So, I mean, it's not like it's not going to sound not normal. But, you know, when you're trying to squeak out, you know, five sentences, and all of a sudden you're like... (gasps) You know it makes a big difference when somebody's listening to it and I've definitely had the comment of thanks for that audition it was great we're gonna hire you but can you please make sure you take out the breaths and everything he's like I could hear him I'm like I know I'm like I didn't have time to take them out sorry yeah,
0: so. I have um, other talent when they're trying to get auditions that quickly will use some kind of a master filter in their editing software so that instead of having yeah. it manually they'll just do it like run through this thing that they created that makes it sound
1: perfect correct so basically they do like a noise gate or like a signal yeah. gate um and you just you you make it i have I've done it for some reason, maybe it's me, maybe I didn't do it right. I, I can't get mine to do that properly, so I end up just going in manually every time and just you know removing them or you know minimizing them so that they don't sound as heavy um because you know like I said I mean there's there's some, and it's also dependent on on the final um you know edit with the client and the producer. sometimes they want to hear a little bit of a breath because otherwise it it, it sounds a little bit like fabricated or it does, it does sound like it's choppy because all of a sudden you're talk, talk, talk. And it's like, it's a hard cut, you know, because there's no, no, you're not breathing, you know? So it, it does sound, it just depends. It depends on what they want to do and how they're doing it and how they're laying it on the music with everything too.
0: Well, that, and that's also a good point to bring us back that when you're doing your auditions, don't stress about them so much because the client's going to do whatever they want with them afterwards. Really, they're just looking for you, your tone and how you deliver the copy. and they'll take care of the rest.
1: Well, exactly, and that's another thing too. Is like you you definitely don't want to start overproducing because one, it's not your job unless they ask you to, Um, and two, they can't they can't do any more magic if you've already done all your magic to it. You know, they want to take your voice and have it become malleable to what they want to do. You know, if they want to go ahead and start, you know, changing, you know, the different tones of your voice, they can put reverb on it. There's, a, there's so many different things. I mean, you could literally click on your, um, you know, your options as far as sounds. Those are all the things that they're going to potentially do to your voice. So if you're already doing that to them, they can't undo it. So you have to send them something that's raw because if you don't, they can't actually play around with it, you know, especially if you're working – with a production company or an advertising agency that's using editors you know if you're working with an actual client and they don't have anybody they're going to ask you hey are you capable of doing that and then it's like you're like yes i can't and that's actually a plus for them you know and more money in your pocket because now you're doing post-production work which is a whole nother job so whenever i do post work for people you know i do tack on extra money because it's like it's not it's not my job i know how to do it but it's not my job and there's definitely people that are better than me but i can give you something that's going to be fine
0: yeah agreed Okay, so what types of voiceover work do you do the most?
1: The work that I do the most, um, they are, like, I do a lot of TV work. So I do a lot of commercials for products that are on television. I do a lot of brand voices. um, So, you know, if you look on my, you know, my profile page, all those different companies, a lot of those have either been on air um, or they've been on, you know, their company websites uh, for, you know, explanatory purposes, you know, whether it's, you know, clothing, shoes, you know, any new products that have launched. Um, I do a lot of uh, long-term narrations. I've, I've had the the comment very many times, which is, um, I feel like it's a backhanded compliment, but it's like you make the boring stuff sound kind of nice, you know, so it's like, all right, so is my stuff nice or is your stuff boring? Um, so I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, you're trying to basically, you know, long story short, you're trying to make whatever it is that they have sound engaging and unfortunately a lot of the stuff especially when it comes for company things or training things or employee things or human relations things there's a lot of content so you have to make that sound exciting you know it's like the e-learning stuff but the majority of work they do it's all of that i do a lot of messaging systems so if you call a lot of companies it's like i'm the one that says hi thanks for calling whoever you are mm-hmm. you know so i i do a lot of those um i do a lot of those as well kind of across the board
0: I've heard that uh, most clients on our site are like, asking for the tone of like um, uh, a friendly, warm expert I kind of feel. Like that's yeah, what you're
1: doing. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like you know you want to be able to whoever it is that's selling you something because at the end of the day, this is you're selling. It's marketing. Yeah, you know, you're part of the marketing budget. You know, you're a vendor in their marketing budget. So as, at the end of the day, you're still trying to sell a consumer something. Somebody's trying to buy something. Whether you know it's a uh, soap or you're selling them shoes, or you're selling them phone service, you're selling them a cable service, you know, all of these things that you're trying to do, you're trying to get them to come to the company, whether you're trying to, you know, come from Nike to New Balance, or you're coming from, you know, AT&T to Verizon to T-Mobile, you know, I've worked for all these different people. So, you know, whatever it is, you're trying to just build and generate business for them. Um, So if you're a trustworthy voice that sounds authoritative in a way that's not overbearing, um, but you sound like you know what you're talking about, again it 's like it 's smoke and mirrors you know if you don't know what you're talking about, you pretend like you know what you 're talking about so it 's the same thing with the you know with this copy it 's like you need to be truthful in what you 're reading so when you're reading it, you know it this is it it 's like when you 're giving a speech about something, you better know darn well what you're talking about because those people are out there paying good money to listen to you talk about something if you don 't know you 're a little hesitant insecure about it um, it 's not going to go over well in the final part so whatever it is that you 're reading, you read it with conviction um, in that friendly. Uh, friendly way that you're not like or, or, or army sergeant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, all
0: right. So can you explain your marketing strategy to
1: us? Um, well, I mean my number one marketing strategy as far as everything, especially the way these days are, I mean, if you look at anything, everything's online, everything is visible. So, you know, having your um, work that you've done or work that you're, you've, you know, created, you know, like those demos or video demos. Um, you just make sure that you're visible online. You make sure you, you show up when somebody, you know, wants to look at you or learn about you. They know about you um, and they can see your work. So whether you have, you know, the uh, like a Voices.com profile, you make sure it's complete so they know everything about you. They know all the things that you can do. Same thing if you have a website, you know, if you can make one, great. If you can figure out how to make one yourself, great. If you're not, you know, pay someone. Um, you know, making sure you have all of the different social medias. You know, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of social media myself, but I I know it's part of the business, you know, these days. I mean, I'm terrible with it, but, you know, I I do the best that I can. But it's, again, it's just being being visible and making sure that people know what you're doing so that they see you and they get reminded. Because there are just so many people that if they don't see you, you forget. And you see the new person that's around that's always talking about this or they're talking about that. You know, it's the same thing. It's being present in somebody's life. You know, otherwise it's out of sight, out of mind. They don't remember you and then they get somebody else. You know, you could leave the best impression you can on someone, but if they don't, you know, remember you for something else or they don't see you for something else, you know, that's actually better. You know, I feel like I I get messages from clients because I do use social media and, you know, I follow my clients and we chit-chat. They're like, hey, you know, I've got this job for you because I see you pop up on my feed and I always remember you. You know, so it's like those are actually things that are important, you know, like having the Twitter I just said the Twitter. I'm like sound like I'm 80. Uh, having Twitter or having Facebook or having you know Instagram or or just being present in social media, you know, it's it's everything has changed. It's very different now. So you definitely want to be present there.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's also I found that clients want to see that you're taking things seriously. So the more times they see your name pop up, not just on Twitter but on auditions says to them, yeah, they really want to do this. I can trust them with this project. They're reliable. And that doesn't happen overnight, which is why your marketing strategy isn't going to be from zero to 100. It's going to take you a little while to go from having someone, oh, I kind of recognize your name to like, I want to use Jamie.
1: Well, exactly. And then it's like, and then you start getting work because, you know, the majority of the work that you end up doing, even it was if it aired, unless it's radio, obviously anything that's just, uh, you know, audio only won't end up online. But if it's something that's been aired somewhere, it's probably going to end up online or somebody's website. You can talk about that. It's public at that point, you know, unless you sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement where you're not allowed to discuss anything. Those things you can actually talk about, you know, I mean, you don't have to broadcast and be like, oh my God, I was the voice of this. And look at me, look at me. I mean, it's not, it's not, a tooting of your own horn it's more of this is what i did i'm using this as a marketing uh ploy because i want you to know that i worked for this company and i'm legit you know it's not because oh my god look at me i got this job i'm so awesome you know it's not that it's not that i mean it could be if that's what you want it to be but don't tell anybody
0: No, it's more like
1: this is what I can sound like. It's more like this is what I can do. It's like your resume, you know. It's like an online resume. So, you know, anything that you can do to promote yourself, it's great. I mean, I played volleyball, so I mean, it's like if somebody didn't know I played volleyball. I want to talk about it, you know. I mean, it's 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 one of those things. The more you tell about yourself, the more they're going to know. The more, if you know, you could speak another language or you're really good at accents, you know, make sure you promote those things. You know, I can speak multiple languages, so I do I do work in other different um, in other different languages as well, and my accents are been hired for them i don't think they're awesome but you know i mean i've been hired for them so obviously somebody's getting fooled um but uh you know if you're good enough that you can fool somebody and they think you're french or you can fool somebody and they think you're a different accent they're gonna hire you then that's great two pops for you you know but uh you know a paycheck in your bank is yep. the pay some sort of bill wonderful
0: thing about being behind a microphone is you
1: really can't be whoever you want right yeah. yeah well you can i mean this is a very anonymous business so you know it's like they don't see you i mean they know who you are but they don't necessarily see you i mean i i've heard stuff on the radio and i've been sitting in the car with people or i've been sitting in a living room with people and i know I'll, one of my things will show up and i'm like i know that's me nobody's saying anything nobody's saying anything crickets crickets hey guys that's me did you hear that you know it's like it takes it takes a hot second for people to realize that it's you you know even if people know who you are know your voice i mean my own father i've sat in the car with him and i've had radio commercials come on and I'm like do you not hear me you birth to me kind of, <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: Um, so how do, what avenues do you use now to find your voice over work?
1: Um, you know, I, I do the marketing. I keep in touch uh, with people that I've worked with. Um, obviously I, I use voices.com. It's a great platform as far as, um, you know, matching you up properly to be able to audition for work. Um, i think the goal is to get repeat business uh you know and again making the making the new clients as well um but repeat business for me is is very important um again it comes back down to making that good impression i i don't i can't say that i've the majority of the people that i've worked with i've done more than one project with you know one project is fantastic anything above that is butter so you know it's it's doing that and then building you know building from there and making sure that you're getting the volume so that you can end up getting to a point where you become full-time.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what are your top tips for working on Voices.com?
1: Make sure your profile is completely up to date. Make sure that you can say what you can do. Uh, make sure you can do what you can say. Uh, make sure that you have demos up that are reflective of what you have. Make sure you send out you know, X amount of auditions a week, however many that you can send out um, up to your uh you know, comfortable, level of comfortability. Is that a word? Comfortability. Um, make sure you send out a lot because it, it is volume, you know. And, and there are times on there where you might be in the first 10 people and you get chosen. There might be a time where you're within the first 1,000 people and you still get chosen. I know that I've been chosen out of the beginning group and I know I've been chosen out of literally 1,100 people. I know that uh, I got a job for one of those jobs and I was uh, shocked. You know, it's like people that actually listen to that many. So, you know, it, it just depends. So, you know, if it's, it's a little bit of luck. It's a little bit of, um, uh, you know, expertise. It's a little bit of, you know, it's the right timing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, making sure that you're just, you know, you're making sure you're ready to go and just making sure that you're prepared, uh, making sure you have a good sound, uh, make sure that, you know, you don't have any other outside noises. So, I mean, if you're in any home studio, you know, most places, unless you're in a basement that's completely, like, practically soundproofed, you know, there are going to be outside noises. So, if, like, you've got a car alarm going or somebody's, you know, drilling out the sidewalk in front of your apartment, you know, some of these things are going to make a difference. Maybe don't audition, you know, during that time. If you've got, you know, construction guys outside tearing up the pavement, might not be a good idea. Probably might not sound good, you know, for that, for that end and note for the client. It's not necessarily the impression you want to leave. Um, so I mean, things like that. I mean, I feel like a lot of things are common sense, but you got to think about them too, to make sure that, um, that everything's going to be good when you send it out. Yeah.
0: I like that you say you have to back up what you can do when you say it, because it's so true. If you leave a bad impression with the client, sometimes it doesn't matter because there are so many other people auditioning, but sometimes it really does. So if you need to start slow and work your way up, do it that way. It's much better to leave a good
1: impression. Yeah, I think that's important because, you know, like when they do these specs Don't forget. So they're going to end up picking maybe like a handful of those people. So when they send those off to the end client, it's you and maybe four other people, five other people. You all sound very similar. So when they're picking that, that person out of the, out of that group, it's like, you don't know who they're going to pick. You know, maybe that person knows who you are. So they're like, Hey, John Smith is great. You know, but by the way, everybody sounds the same as John Smith. So, you know, if you like John Smith, he's great. So if you've already left a good impression on somebody, you're going to get, you're going to get that extra bump. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that, according to the specs, you're all the same. So again, if you're not reading the specs and you don't sound like you can fit in, you're just wasting the person's time. So I wouldn't recommend just doing that until you get to the point where you can actually be, you know, relevant within that group of people. It's like, like, again, if you don't sound like you're some 25 year old, you know, conversational person. Don't submit for the 25-year-old conversational person. Fit, go submit for the one that sounds right for you. You got to learn, you know, who you are as a person first before um, you can start submitting for the stuff.
0: Yeah, you got to understand your sound. Totally. Yeah. All right. So, do you have advice for someone who's just getting started, like in general?
1: Just getting started. I mean, honestly, Google is a person's best friend. I mean, you could learn so many different things on there but just familiarizing yourself with all of the different technical aspects because really that's the most important part because that's the part that you're going to have to actually produce on top of the technical part, you know, learning all of the, um, learning who you are, learning what you think you can actually best sell. Um, you know, if you're not, Great at doing all these different voices, sounding like a five year old, sounding like a dog. If you're not good at those voices, then, you know, maybe shelf that for a little bit and use that as something that's gonna become your hobby. But you wanna make something that's gonna become your, your work and that's gonna pay you money. I love doing the voices and all that stuff. It doesn't pay my bills. That's for... That's really for sure. I enjoyed doing them, but they they really don't pay my bills. The stuff that pays my bills are my, you know, narrations or the stuff that goes on TV or the stuff that goes on the radio. I know that. So those are the ones that I make sure that I do for sure. And then if I see one that sounds fun, you know, I'll practice it and I'll do it as a fun thing. Would I love to be on a cartoon? Absolutely. Do I think I can get on there? I'm not so sure. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe one day. We'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think just, you know, just being able to practice and, and knowing that you're practicing good habits. So if you are a beginner, either see a coach or talk to somebody that's working and ask them, be like, do I sound good at this? Do, do you think this is a strength for me? Do you think this is a weakness for me? You know, you have to take other people's uh, considerations, you know, to heart because they're the people that are going to be buying from you. So if you think you could sell to your mom, maybe not use your mom or your dad. They might be a little too biased. But, you know, you maybe use somebody that um, isn't necessarily used to you talking and selling stuff so you know grab like a coworker or grab you know like a distant relative that's like hey i want to send you this what do you think tell me what you think compare it to here's a here's a video that i found on youtube this is the video of like a real thing this is me trying to do it do you think it's similar you know you got to give reference points and then and then from there you can take notes i mean i think constructive criticism is is key to becoming a better person
0: absolutely well, and listening back to your own voice and practicing like you said before is a great way to figure out where you sound good and where you don't So the more practice you do on your own, the better and more comfortable you'll be when you're actually doing it for a client.
1: Absolutely, and you have to be able to like your voice too. I know that there's a lot of people um, that don't like the way they sound. So if you don't like the way that you sound, it's gonna be difficult to become successful at what you're doing. So you have to, again, be confident in your own voice and what you can deliver. And also listen to the things that are already airing or listen to the things that are already on websites. Can you sound like that person or can you make yourself sound like that person in your own way with those inflections? You know, those are also very important um, tools to practice as well.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So what should a new voiceover artist expect in the beginning when they're just getting started?
1: A lot of rejection. Um, It's unfortunate, but, you know, you're going to be in the beginning stages versus everybody else that's already been working. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, there's, there's certain levels in a totem pole and there's certain levels there for a reason. You have to keep climbing, um, and you can't get stuck. So you have to keep practicing and learning what you're good at. Um, can't be discouraged. Um, but also you have to take things, you know, from a realistic standpoint, you know, if you're practicing bad habits, you're going to keep continuing practicing bad habits and you might not get that work. And then if you're not getting that work, you're not going to understand why. So there's, there's a reason for everything. There's an answer and a, and a, you know, for every problem, there's a solution. So you just have to figure that out to see where it is it's going to make you better. Whether, you know, you do online coaching or you find a coach or you find a new class and you make sure that you're constantly learning, especially in the beginning. That's why, you know, for anything new that you're learning, I recommend just being the biggest sponge that you can possibly be, either find somebody that's better than you, find a class, find something to audit, find something to listen to online, listen to webinars, listen to people's stories, listen to Google, listen to, you know, coaches online. There's so much stuff on Google that you can learn to try to better yourself and just make sure that you absorb all of those things and try to utilize those things in your own daily life as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Did you find that there was a time where things just clicked for
1: you? Um, yeah, I, it's weird. I, um, I audited this class with a, you know, a gentleman that said, Hey, come, come do this class with me. You know, you you should do voiceover. And this is when I was still working full time. And, um, I, I went to this class and, you know, they had me read this, like, um, I can't remember what it was, you know, there's like a podium, and microphone and, you know, it wasn't connected to anything, but you had to go up and pretend like you were in a booth. And I remember doing it and reading this and I was like, huh, this sounds like this might actually be okay. You know, and in my head I could see, like, I could see the wheels turning of trying to, like, figure out, but then, you know, my realistic side was I have a job. You know, I, I don't know how I'm going to make this into a different job, but this sounds like it could be fun for a little bit. Let's try to figure it out. You know, so it clicked already, like, within that first time. It clicked, it clicked. I think it's one of those things that it's going to click. I mean, I also can cold read really well because I've always just read. So, you know, when I was younger, reading for me wasn't, I mean, if somebody said, you know, read this paragraph out loud, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll read, I don't care. You know, like I wasn't ever shy, like in that sense. So I always liked reading and liked doing those things. So, you know, reading cold reads were not difficult for me. I never really liked, you know, the on-camera stuff with the memorizing of five pages of, of copy and all of that. I mean, none of this is, is memorization, so apparently I'm lazy, uh, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, I agree. It's much easier to, uh, to read from a piece of copy, but it's hard to make reading from a piece of copy sound natural. Right. right. Right.
1: So that's, you know, that's also, that's a learned skill, too. I mean, reading and actually reading like you're not stilted um, or reading like I'm talking to you, um, making it sound like it's, you know, like it's conversational. Um, you know, there's only certain things where you want to be able to read something where it, where it sounds like it's being read and they're going to tell you that. Um, but for the most part, you have to read like it's conversational because otherwise you're going to bore somebody to tears, you know? So you got to give it a little bit of life. You got to give it a little bit of Um, You know a little bit of personality just like if you were talking to somebody and you were excited about you know Saying I just got this present from you know, so-and-so or you know, I just bought a new car It's like you want to show that there's you know life to whatever it is that you're reading
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, Jamie. I really appreciate you answering all of my questions. Um, It's been amazing information I do have a few questions in the question box I'm going to go over and then we'll probably be at the end of our webinar perfect all right, so um learn to edit by doing it via a webinar or a class.
1: Learning how to edit? I learned how to edit by watching Google tutorials. That's awesome.
0: That's
1: I did cool. not go to a class. Um I taught myself how to edit and pretty much read the Adobe handbook on how to use Adobe Audition. Um I think you can go to a class. Obviously, there's schools. Yeah, there's people that go to post-production school. So, you know, you have to learn about it somehow. But I think also the best way, too, is just to play with software. You know, I mean, you don't have to be tech like a techie person to – just go with something to familiarize yourself with something. It's just like if you got, you know, your cable box, you got to learn how to use it by reading the directions and and practicing and playing with it. So it's kind of the same thing with editing. You familiarize yourself with, you know, how to normalize things to use specific DBs to make sure that, you know, you're set up properly and then you learn how to cut and paste. You know, a lot of it is weirdly Microsoft... Um, uh, based you know control c is copy control x is cut you know a lot of the stuff which are the shortcuts are based off um things you should already be familiar with most or most people are already familiar with not necessarily should be but um a lot of stuff that you know you probably used in you know in high school mm-hmm. um so,
0: tell us what your microphone is again one time one more time
1: it's a sennheiser 416 shotgun mic oh. this guy right here
0: awesome thank can you, you. See All right. So um, how much do you spend to practice reading copy before you uh, go ahead and read it for an audition versus how much did you practice reading copy when you were just starting out?
1: I feel like when you're starting out, um, I don't know if a lot of people have already taken classes. Uh, It's best to print out a script so you have it on a piece of paper. Um, I don't print out scripts anymore unless I go to the studio. my home studio I just like i said i have a I have a screen so everything is just shows up on the screen um so it's sometimes harder to be able to edit on the on the screen itself but um You'll get to that point with practice that you'll remember, or you'll see already automatically which is the selling word, or which intonation sounds better, or you'll say something out loud and be like, "That didn't sound right. Let me say it the other way." So you'll get to that point over practice. But in the beginning, I feel like if you print out a script, grab a pencil, um, you can put little like slashes, like if you want to put like a break, if you want to talk like in an upward intonation at the end of a sentence, you could put a little arrow up at the end. You know, there's certain ways that you can see because. When you're reading the script, now that you've put these little hash marks and these little arrows or maybe spaces or underlined a word, you know as you're reading it, just like if you edit a document, you'll know you want to, uh, talk higher or give a little bit more emphasis on that, on that word that you underlined. You know at the end of the sentence, you want to make sure you sound like you're going up. Or if you know at the end of the sentence, you put it downward, you want to make sure it sounds like it's, you know, the final part of the sentence. Um, you know, there's certain things you could do to it. And, I mean, those are kind of just general things that you could do as far as editing, but you can make up your own legend as far as how you want to do things. Um, that's just more of the script analysis part. Um, it, you know, obviously the company's name is something you'll want to hit a little bit harder. You don't want to forget that, you know, they're actually the one paying you. So you want to make sure that they have some recognition. Um, so there would be somebody that you would want to click, you know, click or underline. Um, but it, it's things like that, just being able to analyze it and looking at it also from the consumer's aspect. Uh, you got to look at it from both sides of the coin. You know, It's like you're, you're the talent, but you're also, again, selling for these people. So you want to make sure that there are certain things that are more important because if you show that in an audition, you're showing that you've actually paid attention to what the script is and who the audience is. And that leaves a mark on the person that's listening to the audition because when you get that feedback and say, hey, that was a really great audition. You actually hit everything that I wanted you to hit. Do it like that. Here's the job. Like that's actually where you wanted to be because or you want them to direct you a little bit because you kind of want to be on the same page. If you're already on the same page with them a little bit, they're already going to be that much more willing to hire you.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, All right. So did you have connections to the voiceover world prior to getting into it?
1: No, I did not. um I just knew a lot about it because i read uh I read books there was a couple of books that I read I can't remember what they are offhand right now but i read I just found stuff i think on Amazon or you know googling stuff and then I just kind of read it read into it to see how it could become a business and then um I had no connections i mean I just you know learned of people you know through other people that I had met and then uh with um with the private coaching, you know, he ended up being somebody that knew, you know, who somebody I knew. It was just really random. But, you know, it's like you, you kind of just figure that out. There's somebody that you can figure out who's connected to who. It's a very small world, especially here in L.A. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so do you think that voice of a work is a natural progression if you're a singer?
1: I think so. I mean, if you're a singer, you definitely know pitch and tone. Uh, you could probably understand, like, where you're reading um, You can hear. I think you have a better ear, and I don't know if it's necessarily like you're better than it, but I feel like you're more in tune. Um, So being able to listen to, you know, the cadence, so meaning like the, like I guess like the speed and like how your your voice sounds, Um, you know, the pitch, like how high or low, you know, and then, I mean, it's just, it's hearing those things and being comfortable. So again, if you're not a singer, it's just kind of being comfortable with what you can produce so if you know that you can go really high really excited and you can get your voice to go really low and kind of like in that more of that sultry you know sexy type voice you know I'm talking for a female I mean I guess there's sultry sexy men too but um, you know as far as you know seeing what ranges you can deliver and you know if you can do that disclaimer at the end of a car ad that sounds like the you know like you're talking like Speedy Gonzalez you know I mean there's just certain things that you can try to um, see where you are, and then uh, f- kind of work on those, you know?
0: I gotcha. Uh, do you ever think there's an age where it's too old to get started with voiceovers?
1: Not necessarily. I mean, I, I feel like um, some people have a mature sounding voice. I think my voice has sounded like this for a pretty long time. Um, you know, I, I think being able to manipulate it, I can make myself sound younger. I can make myself sound older. So I think it has to be um what you can also do uh, as far as with your voice. But um, there are certain jobs that are also going to lean towards, you know, certain age ranges. And it's also how slow you talk or how fast you talk with the, the different emphasis that you're doing. So, you know, that all, that it's all kind of relative. Um, but, you know, it's, it's also going to depend as far as like with your age and, and kind of how self-motivated you are. You know, sometimes people that are younger or older might be more self-motivated. It's really this kind of job. Nobody's telling you what to do. Nobody's saying, "Hey, you got to do 50 auditions this week." You're the one that's doing it. So, you know, it's it's figuring out what you want to do and your priorities. And, you know, if you've got you know other responsibilities or other things to do, this might not um, fall into that totem pole of where you of what other things you're going to do. You know, so everything's relative.
0: Good. Um, what is the absolute first thing you should do to get into the voiceover business? And then what were are the next steps after that? Like, would you say, like, demo, then training, or training, then demo, then studio, then auditioning, or what, what did you do? Well,
1: I mean, you got to be able to walk before you can run. So, I mean, that's that, that has to be common sense. Don't have somebody tell you, hey, we're going to do training for four weeks, and then, hey, we're going to cut a demo, and then, hey, you're going to start booking. You know, it, it's you have to be realistic in the sense of, yes, you, you you maybe could, you know, again, but back to the beginning of the webinar, it's like, you want to make sure that it's continuous. You don't want just one job a month. You know, one job a month is not going to pay your bills. I mean, most people's monthly expenses are quite high. And even if you got something that was that Even if it was a big job, you know, it's not going to last you for that long. And I'm the kind of person that likes to look out a few months ahead to make sure, you know, things are covered, um, to make sure that you're safe, to make sure that, you know, you've got a roof over your head. So, you know, with this, if that's what you want to do and be serious about it, you know, you have to get the proper training so you know what you're doing. Because again, it's that do what you say, say what you do thing. Um, and you want to make sure that you're prepared wholeheartedly 100%. So get the training done. Um, get the coaching done, you know, with whoever it is that you're doing, figure out what it is that you're good at and work on that and then work on the other stuff that you're not so good at, you know, not as much, but focus on the stuff that you're good at because that's the stuff that's going to make you the money.
0: Agreed. Do you think it's more important early on to have a wide range or to be good at just what you're doing in your demo?
1: I still it's it's good to be good at what you're doing in your demo because you're not going to show that big of a range in your demo. Because most of the stuff that's selling right now anyway is conversational and the stuff that uh you can show a little bit of range on that, but I don't think it's it's necessary to show, you know, from A to Z everything that you can do in that demo. Um because that's where you can you can do all the little micro demos because they'll be smaller. Um to show it's like you could do that job and you sound like that, or you do that job and you sound like that. But I think showing something where it's like you've got six, seven good things about you and that's your tone and that's who you are, I think that's great. Because when you audition for the other stuff, if they ask you for that big booming announcer, you don't have to have that in your commercial demo where you're talking so nicely, you know, and the whole thing. And all of a sudden it's like, it's like, ah, you know, like that, that, that doesn't work. You know, so that, it doesn't sound like it would flow very well. Um, it feels like it would be a little bit out of place. I mean, that's just from a logical standpoint. I don't know. I'm not the be-all, end-all for this, but, um, you know, for, for, if I was listening to that, it would kind of be like out of the blue for me. So, um, yeah, I think, I think just giving someone a little taste of who you are and all of those good things, you know, is going to leave them wanting a little bit more, you know, whether they want a new sample from you or, um, you know, a little goes a long way. I feel like.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have um, uh, certain places that you think would be good to market to if you were looking for video game or animation jobs?
1: Like any advice? Uh, to be honest, I mean, I'm not the best for video game animation um, jobs. I mean, I know that there are, you know, a lot of different agents that you could probably reach out to. Video game animations are, you know, it's a huge wing of the industry. Um, uh, it's not something that I've, I've personally delved into very big. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd rather not actually give too much info on it cause I don't want to lead somebody in the wrong direction. But, you know, I think just if you, if that's something that you like to do, you know, obviously finding agents or auditioning for those things, learning how to die, learning how to, you know, make all these different noises, learning how to be, you know, aggressive or whatever it is in those, um, you know, that they need in the video games or making different, you know, sounds and stuff. I think those are all really important for video games, but I, I don't, I'm not really sure exactly how much further to go with that. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Um, now I'll do this as my last question. Um, do you hold one-on-one Skype sessions or phone patches to help out new talent? Is that something that you do? Yeah.
1: If there, if somebody wants to consult and you know have some questions answered, I'm I'm happy to do that. My website is Voices by Jamie Hill, and you can always just contact me there, and you know we can um, we can chit chat if there's something that you want to do.
0: All right. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Jamie, you are an absolute pleasure to listen to. I can see why you're doing so well in voiceovers. And- thank you taking your time with
1: us today appreciate it good see you guys thank you all right bye guys thank you for joining us to learn more about the
0: special guest featured in this voices.com podcast visit the voiceover experts show notes at podcast.voices.com slash voiceover experts Remember to stay subscribed. If you're a first-time listener, you can subscribe for free to this podcast in the Apple iTunes podcast directory or by visiting podcasts.voices.com. To start your voiceover career online, go to voices.com and register for Voice Talent Membership today.